Well, good morning, church. For reals? That's what it's like at 1130 in the morning? Well, good morning, church. That's what I'm talking about. Man, it is great to be back here with you this morning. Uh, I love the fact that we have this opportunity. We can gather. We can come together and praise our awesome God and celebrate life change through Jesus Christ. Um, Before we get going in this morning, if you weren't here this morning, if you weren't here part of the end of the first service, I just want to encourage you to go back to our, go back to the Facebook page and check it out, which this morning something amazing happened. We had the opportunity as the elders in the church to ordain Jacob Harold as the next pastor of a worship pastor for here at Vertical. Uh, yes, come, I get a clap for that. I mean, come on. He's an amazing man of God, and I'm blessed to stand, stand behind him, beside him, and worship with him, our awesome God. So if you get an opportunity today, just go back and watch that. Uh, Bart shared some notes and shared some information about that. Charge to him, charge us as a church, um, what it means, and how we can continue to support him and love him and encourage him as a pastor of this ministry. Uh, I just want to, before we get into this conversation this morning, I want to take a second look back. We've already talked a little bit about the, um, the impact of the dollar difference. Um, I I know I'm new here, uh, I, but I went with the team as they presented the check uh, to Miss Kara. And if I could just, you saw a little bit of look on her face. It was absolutely amazing to watch her face be blown away uh, because of your generosity. Your generosity, reaching out and making a difference, being in the hands and feet of Jesus, not just sharing the message of hope, but sharing what God has given you back to the community. Uh, right now, she told me she shares about 250 to 280 kids a week that she loves, a day that she loves and ministers to up there. And she said there's going to be over 300 come this fall. That's a lot of children. I will, probably won't work there ever. Um, <laughs> but it's amazing that they do, and it's amazing the facility they have. And because of your generosity, you, can, you met Anita. So if you ever wonder if these dollar differences make actual difference, that is it right there. You've met scholarships, people who, who want their kids to be a part of that a facility, that ministry there, and you made it possible. So thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, so looking back this, this coming this month, we turn our, our outreach towards being back to school. Now all the students in the, in the room are like, eh, I don't want to go back to school. I get that. I'm sorry, but it's coming, right? So we want to go there. There's two ways we're asking you to be a part of this dollar difference for this month. The first one is this, is just to bring your dollars in, right? Today's dollar difference, we'll be collecting those at the end. Uh, those dollars we're going to put towards putting on a back-to-school bash on August 1st. This is a pretty amazing opportunity because this is for our entire community. We're opening up. We're going to have inflatables. We're going to have food. We're going to have some fun. There's going to be some games. that I mentioned there's going to be food. I like food. So, so we're going to have a ton of opportunities to connect with our community that we've never been to this church before. We're going to open up the doors. We're going to give like little tours and open up so people can come into the church. You know, one of the barriers that is for people to come to church is actually stepping in the building. So we're going to have this opportunity to just open it up. So what you're going to do, we're going to allow that to happen. And then what we're going to do, the second part you participate in this is all those school supplies that you've been bringing in. Out there we have two bins. We're going to ask you to fill them. We're going to ask you to fill them. We're going to ask you to fill them. Okay. Because we want to get, we're going to do, with all that fun that's happened in place, we're going to give those supplies back to the kids. So what we've done, we reach out to the teachers. 
We've asked some questions, say, what do you need? And they've gave back some information. So the list that we have on the, and you see them in the bathrooms or on the, on the Facebook, you'll see that, that this, these are the things that they actually need. Either they need them as teachers, or they know there's going to be children who are coming in who don't have the opportunity or the finances to have those items. And this is one way we can bless them as a church. All right, so let's make a difference in our community with these dollar difference as we continue to move forward. As we go in this morning, open your Bibles, if you would, to Jonah chapter 1. And Jonah chapter 1, we're starting at verse 1 this morning. Jonah chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Today we're kicking into this new series titled The White Flag. Internationally, the white flag is known, is recognized as, as a symbol of surrender. See, when two forces come together for battle, at some point within this struggle for dominance and victory, one side realizes that they are undersized and overpowered. And to continue to fight, continue to go at battle with the opposing side, would bring huge damage into their army, huge battle to what they're going through, or a ton of death, and they don't want to face that. So at some point, someone stops in the way of the white flag. Say, hey, I'm done. We're done fighting. And the person who's waving the white flag is usually unarmed. They, they reveal their position. They are not to be fired upon, nor are they allowed to fire upon others, like fake everybody out. Because to do something like that is against the rules of war. Now, I can't believe we have rules of war, but we do. They're like, no, 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 we, we're done, we're done, we're done. See, when I think about this and bring it back into our lives, we all have white flag moments in our lives. We just don't realize that they're there. There are many times that you and I should be waving the white flag in life, but we don't. We would rather be who we want to be, do what we want to do, go where we want to go, and we'll fight that battle at all costs. Because to surrender is seen as a sign of weakness. To surrender is seen as a sign of loss or a sign of failure. You know, adults, as adults, we've had a long time to craft our battle. Like we started with our parents, we've argued with our parents, we built it right up and we carried it right into our workplaces. At work, we're asked to do something different that, that we really don't want to do. Or they're asking us to change what we're doing and we're like, we're like so we, we resist. We fight back, we argue, or we just don't do what we're asked. I know that because I have done that multiple times with my bosses. And it, what happens is when you get to the realization at the end of this, that to continue to fight, to continue to argue, to continue to resist, leads us down a path. And that path is to the unemployment line, if I'm being honest. Well, students, you do the same thing. You do the same thing. You walk into a classroom and you also resist. The teacher instructs you on a way of something to do something. You talk back. You do what you're not supposed to do. All these things, you just keep on resisting and fighting. And then at one point, you realize that if I continue down this path of being disobedient in class... <laughs> it's going to lead me to another path called the principal's office, right? Now, I only know this because, I, well, I spent half my school life in the principal's office. I kid you not. So you think, how was in my life? My mom, my mom was the president of the school board. Yeah, uh-oh, right. So my mom was president of the school board. Dr. Moss, the principal of my school, her and I were really good friends. I've spent a lot of time visiting her and hanging out with her. And so I would go in. This is a good example of what I'm talking about. I would go in because I got kicked out of class, sent to the office. I'd be down at the office, and she'd bring me in. She goes, hey, what you do this time? And I'd start talking. I'd be sassy, running my mouth, blah, 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 blah. And she'd look at me, and she would say, do you want me to call your mom 
Does she, so you can, I can tell her how you're talking to me. <laughs> well, I just look at her and say, duh. I live with her. She knows how I talk. It didn't end well. Detention. Every single time. But that's an example of what happens. You push, you resist, you push, you resist, and you end up in a place that causes you more pain, hurt, or in my case, a lot of time in detention. But this is why I'm stoked about this series. Because it applies to every single one of us in the room. It applies to everyone who's watching online. It is applicable and relevant to every single one of us because we all want to do battle regardless of the outcome. We all have areas of resistance, threads of resistance in our life. When we push back, we fight back in all sorts of areas in our lives. The problem is we take that mindset, we take that lifestyle, and we bring it right before our God. We bring it before our Savior and say, listen, we've got it figured out. We'll do what we want to do. We've got it all planned out. And listen, and when we're ready to start listening to you, we will let you know. That's exactly what we do with God. We fight back, we push. So when he calls us to make a change that we don't want to do, and we don't want to do what he's asking us, when he calls us to surrender our lives before him, we ignore him. When, we, when he calls us to tap on our shoulder to serve, we say we're too busy. When he steps into our world asking us to, to get out of our comfort zone and reach our neighbor, our friends for the kingdom, we, we make a bunch of excuses before him. When he tells us that there's areas in our lives that don't honor or glorify him, we act like he doesn't exist. When he speaks out, when he speaks into our life and do the things we don't want to do or change, we push back. Sometimes we just stick our fingers in our ear and say, nah, 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 we can't hear you. So let me just stop and ask. Let me just stop and ask you, how do you, or do you know, are you willing to admit, now don't, listen, don't look at your neighbor, don't elbow your friend, Parents don't look at your kids. Spouses don't look at each other. But how many of you already know that you respond to God that way? You already know it. That when God's calling you to do something, but you stop. When he's asking you to go somewhere, but you don't. He says, I got the best plan for your life, but you don't want to listen. How many of you already know that? See, I believe that's all of us. All of us have areas where God is wanting to shape, form us, to become more like his son and less like the world, but we become so resistant in life when everything else we do, we bring that before him and say, we've got it all figured out. We do this in many ways. We do this in many ways. We, we don't like what we're hearing, so we stop listening. We don't want to do what God says we do, so we stop reading his word. We don't like what the pastor's saying on Sunday mornings, so we stop showing a church. The small group, man, that we're doing a series or whatever, it's way too convicting. So you know what we do? We stop going to small group. And then we bring it into our prayer life. Right? We start praying and having conversation with God. He starts speaking into our lives. And by the way, that prayer life is two-way street. So many of us, we act like it's a one-way street. So God starts speaking. We don't like what he's talking to us about, telling us how to change. So what we do is we start throwing out the laundry list of all the things that we want God to do for us. It's because if we're talking, we can't be listening, and we're not hearing what he's called us to do, right? And we're not hearing the changes he's calling us to make. And then when that doesn't work, we do what is completely logical for everybody in the room. We stop praying. Because if we're not praying, then we can't hear him. 
If we can't hear him, we can't, we have to listen when he's asking us to do what he needs, what we need to change. See, over the next few weeks, we're going to be digging into our lives, but we're also going to be digging into a life of a guy who did not want to do what God called him to do. In fact, he ran from what God wanted to do. He ignored his calling. And I think this is awesome because you and I have the privilege to have the front row seats to see what, how that life actually turns out. When we run from God, when we turn our back on God, when God's calling us to go somewhere to do something, when we want to have battle with him, what is it going to look like? And I think, again, that's awesome because many of us, if not all of us, in this room, there's areas in our life where God has been knocking in our hearts, but we're choosing not to listen. And when we choose to do battle with God, what he's called us to do or how he called us to live, we are missing some of the greatest blessings in life. If we want the life to the full that Jesus throws out there in John chapter 10, I'll give you life to the full, maybe today, right here, right now, it's time for you and I to stop running and start surrendering. Wave the white flag and let God do what he does best. So get your Bibles open, right? Open Bibles, Jonah chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Look up on the screen if you don't have one. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come before me. Let's just stop right there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, we don't not sure how it happened, because it doesn't say, but somehow, some way, God gave Jonah clear instructions to go preach my word. I, I absolutely love that because this is still possible, still uh, true for you and I, for you and me. God still speaks to his people through teaching, through preaching, through small group, through Bible reading, through praying. The word of the Lord comes to us. God is speaking to us. And this is huge. Because everything we do starts with the word of the Lord. Everything that we do as a child of God begins with the word of the Lord. Everything we do as a church starts with the word of the Lord. As parents, it starts with the word of the Lord. As children, it starts with the word of the Lord. How we work starts with the word of the Lord. How we love starts with the word of the Lord. How we reach this community starts with the word of the Lord. Everything starts with the word of the Lord. In fact, the Lord spoke and everything existed. In fact, someone spoke to you, realizing okay, you needed Jesus. And then you opened your eyes and realized you needed Jesus. Everything starts with the word of the Lord. Scripture says it's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. But unfortunately, that's where a battle begins. A battle begins with the word of the Lord. This is where we start pushing back. This is where you and I, we have this opportunity to act like Broadway performers, like we can't hear you, God. Because God speaks, right? The word of the Lord comes into our life and to change our life, to act, to move, to love, to respond, to invest. And so all these things happen. All of a sudden the lines of, of the battle start getting drawn. God says, I want you to do this. And this is our response. We get resistance. We push back, say, God, we've got it all figured out. No, thank you. I don't want to do that. That's too hard, too much, too fast. 
So right now, what's the battle going on in your life? What is the battle going on between you and the one who created you? What is the battle between you and the one who loves you the most? God is speaking and speaking and calling you in, calling you to change, be less like the world and more like his son. What is the battle that's happening in your heart, in your life right now? That you've put your foot down and you're putting your hand up saying, talk to the hand, Lord, because the ears ain't listening. What is it? What I love about this is we're not alone. I feel like it happens all through all of us in this room. And also we find it all the way through scripture. See, look at Jonah's response when God called him. Look at verse three, it says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard this and sailed for Tarshish and to flee from the Lord. Let's stop there again. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, right? God came to Jonah and spoke to him and said, I want you to go. And Jonah said, no. The creator of the heavens and the earth came in a unique way and said, listen, I want you to go to this city. You're going to stand in the gap between me and a wicked city. And Jonah fled. He ran. So as I think about us, when it comes to our relationship with God, God is calling us to change or do or whatever. As the word of the Lord comes into our lives and we start acting with a resistance and pushing it back, I think we ought to stop and ask, why am I running? Why are you running? Why are you turning your back and running the opposite direction? Why are you not listening to God? You need to see this and, and when it comes to it in there, this map. He was called to go to, to, he was called to, go to Nineveh. Right? 550 miles one direction. He was fighting against God so much, he went 20, want to go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Almost five times the distance. If that's not a way to just turn your back on God and say, okay, listen, this is my attempt to unfriend him so I don't see his post of conviction, I'm going to go completely in the opposite direction. That's crazy. Look, the, look at the distance. Go here. Preach my word. <laughs> no way. We do the same thing. No way. Why are you running? See, in the most circumstances in our life, it's not about where we're running to, but who we're running away from. Who are we running from as parents? Are we running from our parents? Are we running from the rules, the responsibilities, being held accountable for actions? Are we being called to change in our life? Has the word of the Lord shown us there needs to be some changing and we're just not listening to him and we decide to run? Are we in relationships that have gone too far, that don't honor God, that have gone too far physically and God said, no, no, stop. You know this isn't right. But we're not listening, we're running. Do we have problems telling the truth? Are we cheating at school? Are we have a problem being honest with our money? See, God's going to continue to talk and talk and talk to our lives because he wants to change our hearts and show how we live differently. But we, we act like Jonah. We run. We run hard. We run fast. And we run far. And by the way, Jonah showed up at Joppa and there just happened to be a ship there going in the direction that he wanted to go and not where God wanted him to be. 
There will always be a ship, my friends, to take you where you want to go, not where God wants you to be. Just so happens to be a ship. What we need to realize that Jonah already made a determined decision not to go where God wanted him to go. He made a decision to turn and run and go in the opposite direction. So when he showed up, right, in Joppa, his eyes were open, peeled back, looking for a ship to escape. We do the same thing. We call them signs. We call them, must be a sign from God. I don't have to do that anymore. There must be a sign that just happened to be there. No, you were looking for a way out the whole time. Just because a ship is there doesn't mean you need to take it. Because the word of the Lord is calling you to something different. Look at verse 4. It says, The Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose, and the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. Then they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain came to him and asked, how, how can you sleep? <laughs> Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice, and we will not perish. Let's stop right there again. Jonah was running from God. And as we look into our lives and we're figuring out why we're running, let me just make this really clear. We can't outrun God. Right? You can't outrun God. Jonah tried to do it and God laughed. You can run from God, but you can't outrun him. God is big. He is massive. He is omnipresent. This is a nerd word. Every once in a while, you're going to hear me say that phrase, nerd word, right? And what I'm saying is it's a theological word that man made to describe God. And omnipresent is one of those. Omnipresent simply means that God is fully holy and completely present everywhere all at once. That's our God. He is all places all the time. David wrote about this in the book of Psalms, Psalm 139. Look at the screen. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the depths, you are there. There is not one moment in time or place on this earth that you and I can go where God is not there or present. So you may want to run, but you can't outrun him because he is always there. He's always with us. You can go home, he is there. You can go out to the lobby, he is there. He is present with us in this room. You can run, but you can never outrun him. But that's not how we live, is it? That's not how we act when it comes to our mighty God. Many times we act as a God's in this little box that we carry around that we bedazzled and has some pink little, pink little bows and, and we pet him and say he's my precious and this is my God. I mean, come on. That's the way we act. Like, he won't see what I'm doing because he's in the closet. I put my God in a box in a closet and so I, I go to school. I keep him in my locker so he can't convict me in my classroom. At work, well, I left him at home, so there's nothing he can do, and I can do whatever I want here because my God can't see me because he's a little God in a box. That's how you and I live. We gossip about others. We're, we're safe because God's in the house. We're in the car. He can't hear us. That's not our God. That's not who he is. 
He is he's not a God we've created to be in our own, our own image. He is the great I am. He is the beginning and end of all things, the Alpha and the Omega. He is mighty. He is powerful. He is a fortress. And we can try, but we can never, let me just say this again, never outrun him because he's always present. That's crazy. That's awesome God. But you know what scares me more? What scares me the most? Is that you and I can become completely desensitized to him. He can be present, sure. He's going to be present, absolutely. But you and I can be completely desensitized to his presence. See, God sent a great wind on the sea and it was freaking out these sailors. These guys were experienced sailors, right? Weathered men. They're like, oh my word, what is taking place? They have seen some storms. And they were so scared, they threw out their cargo, by the way, which was their payday. Ships just didn't travel around for the fun. They shipped people and cargo, and that's how they got paid. They were so scared, they threw their payday away. And where was Jonah? Where was Jonah this whole thing? Sound asleep in the bottom of the boat. God was bringing the calamity of a lifetime was taking place all around and Jonah was sleeping. He, he was running so hard, so far, so fast from God that he was rejecting him, his will for life. God possibly said this could have been a storm of the century and it didn't even phase him. He was sleeping. Whew. We could do the same thing. We could do the same thing. When we're running away from God, what he's calling us to do, what he's calling us to change, how he's calling us to live, we can become completely desensitized what he wants to do in our lives. That we don't even recognize that when the storms come in, those storms are for our, get our attention and make some changes. So what are the storms in your life right now? What is going on in your life the God's bringing us storms. It's like, hey, hey, I want you to work on this. Hey, hey, pay attention to me, but you're not listening. What are they? Friends, I've lived through this personally. Where I've become desensitized to God and do my own thing. And he was rocking my world and started to get my attention. I was like walking along clueless. I've watched it happen in the lives of people that I love and care about. People, are, their lives are falling apart, right? God's casting these storms. They're crushing them. They lost their jobs. They lost their homes. They loved ones. They can't pay their bills. They've broken relationships, falling apart in all directions with their spouse, their kids, their friends, and their coworkers. Everything around them in their lives are falling apart, turned upside down. God's bringing storms to get their attention, and they walk clueless. Because they completely put them out of their lives. I'll come to my God when I'm ready. I'll bring him out. And I'll have a little conversation and then I'll put him away. Because I don't want to be that convicting. I mean, come on. No one wants that much change in our lives, Rich, right? I mean, we're just pretty good where we are. We can't outrun God. And the sooner you and I realize this, the less damage is done. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hurt more. I want to hurt less. 
I don't want more things to get beat up upon. I want a little bit better life in some areas of my life. And that, man, I think you want that too. Simply this, God wants to win you back, not pay you back. God wants to win you back, not pay you back. These sailors finally figured out that everything that was taking place was because Jonah was running from God. And Jonah, still not wanting to be obedient to God's direction in life, said, just throw me overboard, baby, and everything will be fine. He was willing to fight against God and his will for his life. He'd rather, rather die than be obedient. What? That's crazy. Look at verse 13. He said, instead, these guys are listening. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing this innocent man, far from innocent. For you, Lord, have done you what you have pleased. Verse 15, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And as the men greatly feared the Lord at that point, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. This is crazy. These guys came to the end of their ropes and only did what they thought was a last resort to save the ship, to save their lives. They were crying out for mercy. Jonah was crying out, take my life. And God cried out with grace. Grace, getting what you don't deserve. God cried out in grace. Let me just point this out. It wasn't just for Jonah, we're going to see that. It was for the guys on the ship. All the people who did not know him as Lord and Savior, did not know him as the one true God. God showed them amazing grace. So I don't care where you are in life. I don't care what you, how many times you turn your back on God. I don't care what storms and how many you just keep on pushing him away. God's grace for you too. Every single one of you. But it wasn't just for these guys. It was for Jonah. Look at verse 17. He says, The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. God showed Jonah great grace in a time when he absolutely rejected him. Jonah said that I'm done. God says we're just getting stoned. Jonah started. Jonah said, I am finished. God said, not even close, my man. We got some work to do. Jonah lived in absolute rejection of what God wanted to do in his life. And God said, I know the plans I have for you. Not to harm you. I'm going to show you Grace. Friends, that's our God. That's your God. That he wants to love you, win you back. Now listen, there, there are consequences for our sin. There is. When we turn our back on God and live a life that we want to live all without him and doing our own thing, we live outside of his word, the word of the Lord. There's consequences for that. But God's going to come up and just slap you and say, I told you so, deal with it. No, no, he wants to slap you to get your attention, to bring you back and say, I love you the most. I love you the most. I have the plan. I have the path. I want, walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. Because that's what love, God loves to do. He has an intimate relationship with his people. 
And it starts with you and I. When God speaks to us, when the word of the Lord comes into our lives, that we stop fighting and we start surrendering. Some of the greatest victories in life Some of the greatest victories that you and I will ever have in life are found through you and I surrendering to the word of the Lord. That when God speaks into your life, when when you, through reading, through praying, or through friends, through preaching, through small group, when he speaks into our life, instead of you and I fighting, we surrender. Oh, I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want God to work in my life. Because fighting, that's just tiresome. And maybe you're in this room this morning and you're tired. You're tired of fighting. Well, God says it's time to surrender. But you have to choose. You as individuals have to choose. I can say this stuff all day morning, all day and all morning long, but you have to choose to surrender. The choice is yours. What are you going to do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to come and worship you. Lord, we we love you. We praise you this morning. God, thank you for being real with us. So often we do put up our hands and act like we're not listening. So often we treat you far less than, than who you are, like a little God in a box. So often we fight when we're called to surrender. So Lord, I pray, I pray for my own life right here, right now in front of my family and my friends that there are areas in my life that you know that I have been fighting. So God, I pray that you reveal to me that I will stop fighting, that I will bow down and I will surrender to your word of how you've called me to live and to love. Then I pray for the church that we will do the same. That anyone who is in this room right now who has storms that you've, been, that you've been trying to get a hold of their lives one way or the other, they will open up their eyes and see that you know what's best. And as we walk through this series, we'll continue to bend our heart, our knee, and our lives to you. So you can show us what needs to be changed and how we've been called to live. We love you. We worship. In your son's name we pray. Amen.